welcome to episode 18 of Wise Choice, an official Wise Music podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Adam. And I'm Paula, and we're the Daydream Club. And today we're looking at classic songs from classic films. Which is such a fun subject because, I mean, personally... I love sync. I love everything to do with it, like uh, the impact that the song can have on a scene or like how that song ends up being lasting in like after the film. Yeah, they definitely become, if it's the right placement, it definitely becomes intertwined with uh, the, the song and the scene. It can make it iconic, really, can't and it? I think it some, of the, some of them in this list for today are like almost inseparable yeah. once they became part of that. I don't Another know if, ones, yeah, I'm not sure if this alone. first one is, no. not not for me, and I think you were saying it wasn't either, but it's a great track, and I think it was kind of a cult film that it yeah. was featured on. So we're going to look kick off with My Sharona by The Knack from 1979, and it was featured in a key scene in the film Reality Bites. So I'm, I'm not massively familiar with the film, and neither are you. I mean, we've watched it, but it wasn't one of those that has stuck with us. Um, so it's the gas station scene where Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, Janine Garofalo and Steve Zahn are dancing in the gas station, uh, all carefree and young-like. Mm. Um, I haven't actually seen this film. You've never seen know, it at all? Oh, right, I thought so, you'd seen it. No, um, but it sounds like a good scene. It is a good scene. It sounds like a fit-in scene, I guess, for the for the, the song. Well, they're, they're standing there getting the gas and then it comes on the radio, they ask them to turn it up and then they just start dancing oh, in the gas good. station. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's quite carefree. I feel like it it, it, it sums up some of the film. And um, what was interesting was that the knack turned down Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, I did read that to go for this one instead. They thought this fitted the kind of ethos of the song, the energy and the youthfulness. I know that's interesting. Uh, I wonder what impact because Pulp Fiction was flipping massive, and that's definitely launched. It was so, huge. well, not launched. And Quentin Tarantino always puts such an emphasis on the music because he has such an idea already of what he wants, which yeah. I love. Um, but I think yeah. the scene they were thinking of for Pulp Fiction was maybe a, a bit on the dark side. Is that the one side. with the gimp mask? I think, I think it was where they were bit. tied up and yeah. stuff, yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe so you maybe didn't like, want to associate that with I'm one. not sure whether we want to put it, put it there, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Why couldn't he have it in both? I wonder if it was a one or the other situation. Yeah, well, I think sometimes I imagine certain films would want to have kind of, this is our song or yeah, something, maybe. you know what I mean? Especially if they were coming out within like a couple of years of each other or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, a bit of a backstory about the song. It was written by Burton Avere and Doug Feger. Um, apparently, it took them about 15 minutes to write. 15? 15. Okay. And then another 15 minutes to be mixed and finished. So he was really inspired um, then, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I think the story is that... It's, it's, Hang on, I'll get to that. Oh, that. okay. So uh, ahead. carrying on with the recording a minute. Um, apart from the backing vocals, the whole track was recorded in one take. So that's kind of interesting that's when cool. you listen back yeah. when, when we put it on in a minute. So I guess, I mean, that's why it was done in 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, it's just bish bosh bash done. Yeah. Um, so what you were just about to rush ahead to. Uh, so Doug Figo was 25 years old when he met 17-year-old Sharona Alperin, who inspired like a two-month-long run of frantic songwriting <laughs> from him, which was just pouring out of him as well as eventually then becoming his girlfriend for the next four years. He said it was like being hit in the head with a baseball bat. He fell in love instantly and became obsessed with her. I think it's probably lust from the sound of it first, and then maybe love's... <laughs> yeah. Well, and, or obsession, I'm not sure. It's like... It's a bit on the edge, on the edge it's for today's explicit. standards. It's explicit. Like, you can't deny. Like if you listen to the chorus, because whenever... I mean, as much as I love this song, I am always dancing to it. It's fully explicit. And, you know, there's no... You, you can't. When you break down the lyrics yeah, you, and then you, knowing that he was 25 and she was only 17. Which, yeah. to be fair, in certain states in America is, you know, it's or that's the age of consent. I think it's between yeah. 16 and 18 or something. But yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, actually, do you know what? I did feel better, weirdly, reading um, that she was seven, 17. Because previously, whenever I've listened to the chorus, just when you hear um, of the younger ones, you're like, oh, what age is that? Yeah. But, so, you know, I, I mean, he, age he of said somewhere when we were looking it up, though, as well, that he was writing it from the perspective of a, a 14 year old innocent boy, 14 year old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, is a very it sounds like a 14 year old boy, really. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> um, just discovering himself. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's a great pop song, really, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's a great tune. And uh, apparently there wasn't Sharona was quite a obscure name at the time. 
But then come the 80s, there was like a, an influx of Sharonas. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's so. amazing. Um, that's quite fun. So yeah. that's the impact that that song had on, like we oh, were on massive. about how, you know, it, it can have, I don't know. You, like cultural it, impact. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like it changes the, the tapestry that's of That's amazing. Culture. I really like that. Um, so there'll be loads of Sharonas born in when the 80s. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. That's fun. I know. I mean, you don't hear of Sharonas anymore. If your do parents you? named you Sharona and you were born in the eighties, you could probably I, assume I reckon, that they were inspired by the Naxx. I reckon there'll be an influx of Billies for girls right now, maybe. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish, yeah. Maybe. Um, or what or songs? Ariana's or something. Or Valerie's. Do you think we had some Valerie's? Oh, we in definitely the, had some Valerie's. In the I reckon, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, fun fact about this track as well, which I think is quite cool. So during the making of Michael Jackson's nineteen eighty-two thriller, Quincy Jones encouraged. Michael Jackson to include a rock and roll number in the vein of My Sharona. Hmm. That was like the reference. And he then wrote, beat it. Are you serious? Yeah. And when oh, you listen to it, like cool. the drums are kind of broken up and punchy. The same as like My Sharona's got that kind of <laughs> surf shuffle, broken back, like just kick drum and snare. And yeah. Ooh, let's listen to it. Maybe now's a ti- uh, good time to play it. And then yeah. We can... Yeah, let's do it. So this is My Sharona by The Knack.
it is a catchy tune. I know, you can't deny it, can you? Yeah, really, really punchy. And uh, that version we played is actually the full version. Um, so they, they cut out all of that big sprawling solo oh. for the radio edit. <laughs> Bless them. I know. But we like to play the full thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can. It's We've a got podcast. No time it's not radio. <laughs> it. We've got an extra long track for you to round off the show as well. So. Yeah, you've got that to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving so, on then to the next track yeah and and it's an accidental thing but it's another name i just realized didn't we? Yeah, yeah so we were on about like how many sharonas were maybe named born and named in the 80s there might also have been a lot of glorias yeah so 1982 gloria by laura Branigan, yeah which was featured in the 1983 film Flashdance. yes now now this is a film i watched and fallen <laughs> fully <laughs> loved anything dance related i was all over as a kid like so can you tell me what the scene <laughs> Yeah, so it was Jeannie's ice skating scene. And actually, it's like, it's proper heartbreaking because, like, she falls and then the music sort of plays out at the end. You know, it's a really upbeat, amazing like track. A, it's like a juxtaposition, like, you wouldn't expect it this feels super like a happy triumphant, track yeah. to be to a bit of a failure not yeah. failure, but you know. Like, no, but that's kind of the point of the film. Like, I think it's sort of Jeannie realizing that she might not have what it takes oh, and it's just it's awful. What it takes. But it's, it's so good because it starts out so triumphant and, like, if you've not seen it, Watch, watch Flash Dance. What are you, what are you doing? How have you not seen Flash Dance? It feels iconic. I feel like everyone's seen it's it. It's one but, um, I've seen, but not like I've seen over and over again like oh, you, I think. didn't watch it on repeat. I didn't. No, I was more um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Oh, I was Home that Alone. as well. <laughs> yeah, I was that as well. I was Terminator. Just, yeah, yeah no, I was all of those things too. I just also had like the Dirty Dancings and the Flash Dances. Yeah, no, the, oh, Dirty Dancing I've seen. Uh, oh, there you go. More than, more than once. Oh, you've seen it like two times. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, those, so anyway, they were a repeat for me. Well, I didn't know. I don't know whether you'd know. <coughs> Gloria is actually a cover. No, didn't know so that. It was originally a 1979 track by an Italian artist named Umberto Tozzi. Whoa, um, I didn't have a clue. And it, it was originally in Italian, written by Umberto Tozzi and Giancarlo Bigazzi. But was it for Gloria? For a Gloria? It was Gloria, yeah. Um, and does it sound similar? Have you, have you heard? It's more disco, I oh, think. Oh, fun. Um, so uh, oh yeah, Gloria 70, is, end of the 70s. Gloria is an imagined woman that he hopes to find one day, and by the end of the song, he does. Good. So That's there's no inappropriate the Sh- Sharona. No, no. And <laughs> so like, in this. He, I think in the story, he's basically telling all his friends about this amazing woman that has all these amazing qualities yeah. that he dreams of. Yeah. And then he comes across her, and you know, it's, it's all good. Oh, there you go then. <laughs> wow. Like he imagined we... this woman and made a reality. Or like, or maybe he's just been holding out for this woman that really makes him feel something. Yeah, that's what nice. You, maybe that's a nice way of thinking. Yeah, of it. nice. Um, but then, so uh, Laura Branigan took the song to like platinum certified with her version. Mm. Um, I wonder how much impact it being synced on the film Flashdance had. Do you know whether? I think I think because that. I, mean, I think of Flashdance as not just one song, but a whole sound. There were so many good ones. I mean, there was the Irene Cara, who was also like Fame. That was another one of my yeah. films on repeat. Like I was obsessed with And Maniac Irene Cara. was on oh, there as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's kind of like this power pop synth fest, yeah. which I think of. And then tie that in with fashion. And, yeah, so you've got you know, your leg warmers and your, your tiny Your million leotard. different dance layers and yeah. stuff. It was just like a whole it, thing. It felt very of the time, I think. And she then would have become part of that whole Thing. that's fun that's really fun and then whenever anyone's ever doing aerobics or anything dancing you might Stick think that of on. that track yeah wow well. um so yeah well a little fun fact about laura Branigan in the early 2000s she played janice joplin in the off-broadway musical love Whoa, janice. that's pretty cool yeah. i mean you can hear she's got a little bit of like a uh, like a yeah she has powerful... got some gravel actually yeah so yeah i would have i'd quite like to try and find some clips of that and have a little yeah I feel like that would be hard to come by. Because Janet, yeah, Janice Joplin's got an amazing voice. And obviously, so is Laura Brannigan. Yeah. Um, So. Really fun. Get your uh, leg warmers on. Yeah. And get ready to dance around the room. This is Gloria by Laura Brannigan. That's it.
quite an unashamed, unashamed, unashamed how would you say that? Unashamedly? Unashamedly. It's an... Una, what are you trying to say? I don't even know where you're going with fest. it. It's an amazing yeah. synth fest, basically. Yeah. And it's not ashamed of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if in doubt, yeah, change the it. sentence. Oh, so good. It's so good. It's such a great track. Yeah, yeah so moving on. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of dirty dancing, as you that you brought up earlier, yeah, um, we've got "Stay" by Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs from 1960. The the track mm. from the film uh, "Dirty Dancing" in 1987. Yeah, but it was based in the 60s, wasn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. Um, which, oh, actually, wasn't it 50s? So the track wouldn't have even been out technically. Was it 50s? Oh no, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I feel like it was a, a 50s summer camp, wasn't it? Well, it was around. I that don't know, but it had time. that kind of doo wop feel from that era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That I mean, also in the film, song. they featured like a really eighties esque Patrick Swayze song, though, didn't they? Time of your life. Um, Which one? No, that's not Patrick Swayze. Oh, eyes, eyes. Uh, she, she, she's got like the wind. She's like the she's wind. Like the that's wind. it. That's, that's it. it. Um, yeah, I so that was. I don't think they're being that strict. No. Whether it was set in the fifties okay. or sixties or whatever. Um, whatever. It's irrelevant. It's an it was just a good track. tune. Yeah. Um, Every song on that. The, whoever the music supervisor was on that, they just nailed it. They <laughs> yeah. nailed it. Cause it. And it's so much about like the music and dance again. Yeah. It had such a massive impact. I know on me and I think on most most people really who've watched it. You've even watched it twice. So I've even watched it more than once. Know, yeah, it could go. be even more than twice. Even more than twice. Wow. Yeah, could be. There you go then. Um, so the scene, I think, is where Baby is like walking through like a dancing yeah. crowd of All couples. Yeah, all the gyrating couples. And the kind of sensual dancing that she's probably not used to seeing. And little, little innocent baby walking yeah. through the crowd. When she's looking for Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny. <laughs> I was looking Johnny. for confirmation yes, there. Someone who's seen it a million times. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's quite a poignant scene again. Uh, the song was written by uh, Maurice Williams in 1953 when he was only 15 years old. Whoa. Yeah. God, that's an amazing song to write as a 15-year-old. And so it, the story goes, he'd been trying to convince his date not to go home at 10 o'clock as she was supposed to, um, and he lost the argument. Oh. But in later years, he said that like a flood, the words just came to me. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I like that. And also... Respect to her for going home on time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sticking to a curfew. Here's the so I got a fun fact for this one as well. Actually, um, for a while it held the record for the shortest song to ever go to number one on the U.S. Hot 100 at one minute thirty five seconds. That it? Is that all the song? That's is? all it is. Wow. I know a lot happens that. in that short time, doesn't it? It's weird when you're just listening to a track though, and you're not looking into it, and then you start looking into it for things like podcasts. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you're just like, "What? That song's at one minute thirty-five seconds." I know. Yeah, I mind. know. What is interesting as well, though, is that the one that I think holds the record now is Kid Cudi's "Beautiful Trip," which is only thirty-seven seconds. You long. what? Thirty seconds? I haven't heard that. I mean, that that kind of seconds? speaks of a TikTok that, era, doesn't it? Oh, I was going to say, is that even a track or is that a jingle? Like, what? I think it's just an intro, but it it's a, it reached the oh. top of the US like Hot One Hundred. It's like a pre a pre track, like you know, when you're doing an album, you do like a little intro instrumental thing to go into the track or something. Yeah, maybe, but it's you know, it's got so many streams or plays or whatever that it's at number one in the hot. I'm going to have to listen to that now. Thirty-seven seconds. I know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one minute 35 sounded short, didn't what it? What were we doing putting all this effort in writing three minutes on? I know, just like that. write some jingles. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Anyway, uh, are we going to play it first? And yeah, then... let's play it. Okay, so let's this do that. is Stay by Maurice Williams and the Zodiac. Stay. Just a little bit
Vibe, isn't I it? love it. I love it so hard. I love it so much. It captures a, a time, I think. It does, does because it's it's nostalgic for me from like yeah being a kid and watching and obsessing over Dirty Dancing and like all of those songs have lived on with my whole adult life and they bring me just so much joy. And the, I think from that era as well, they'll be performing all at once, one mm. take. And I always, you know, you can hear that. The it's performance is amazing, isn't it? Oh, the high falsetto hey, vocal. I mean, that's great. Hey, you have to sing along with that, don't you? <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I had, I found a snippet of um, another version. So in 2014, Maurice Williams recorded a slightly different updated version called a Caribbean mix featuring Luke Balbosa. Um, I'm just going to play a little bit of that now because I thought it was quite cool. Yeah, I've not heard this. That sounds fun. Yeah, so here we go. This is Stay Caribbean Mix. Just a little bit I mean, it's got a great groove. I'm not sure the the falsetto doesn't quite work as much for me no, as the original. No, it's a powerful, like rock yeah. and rolly element to it. Really going for it on Punchiness. the first one, yeah. Yeah, I like that. But still, good vibes, good tune. Um, and then, just as another little wild card, I also yeah. found a version by the Hollies from 1963, so three years after the original. Okay. Um, and it's very different to the original. So I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. I'll include a snippet of that. It's it almost, it's like. The song on speed. Really? Like, you can imagine a bunch of kids in a garage just blasting through the song almost as fast as you can go. I mean, okay. it's not that extreme, but you know what I mean? Like, you're a bit like tense and hyper when you, you know, you're young and you're going through it. Yeah. And I feel like that, you know, there's a bit of that energy in there. Okay, um, fine. Well, yeah, their version actually reached number eight on the UK what? singles chart and stayed in the charts for 16 weeks. So. Where did, where did uh, Maurice Williams do? Uh, I don't know. Oh. <gasps> I think I it, it did well. I hope it reached number one. But it probably one. did much better once it was in the film. Yeah. Mm. Um, it would have been. Well, that's a, sad though, I think isn't it, it would have been a, some sort of a hit at the time of the, in the sixties for it to then be picked up by the film. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but I think, yeah, but was it a hit made by the Hollies or like, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? No, I mean, I imagine the Hollies would only be covering it because it was it's a, a hit. hit. Yeah, you're right. Because that's what a to lot make you of aware bands of it. did. At the time. I mean, the Beatles did loads of covers. And hot off the back of just being Elvis released as well, generally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, this is the Hollies version of Stay. Oh, well, your mama don't your body it is fast that is it's faster isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's, i think i exaggerated quite a lot but, but it yeah it's fast it has got like a little bit it, of speed to it it does it? give it that different energy and that's what the kids wanted in the day you know something to dance i to. imagine like the little head wiggles yeah uh. yeah so anyway changing the tempo entirely uh, we're going back to the 70s 1971 with the song where do i begin love story by andy williams nice um, but actually it started life as an instrumental um, for the film Love Story. It was the theme tune. Okay. Um, well, actually, it started life as a song 
Come on. It was a bit complicated to try and understand as well. So the music's by Francis Lay and lyrics by Carl Sigmund. Um, the song was only used as an instrumental for the film after the film's distributor, Paramount Pictures, rejected like the first set of lyrics. Mm. So they they just wanted it to be an instrumental for the theme. Yeah. But it was written as a song. Okay. But the song got put on the shelf until after the film. So right. I think they'd come to an arrangement that they would release the instrumental yeah. with the film. Okay. And the song with the lyrics wouldn't come out until like a bit after the film has been released. I so see. that the song melody was in people's heads like an earworm and then this song with the lyrics come out to it and it kind of sing along to yeah okay that's quite clever marketing actually and so then that was andy williams version i think that came out with the lyrics and oh so andy did andy williams do the lyrics were, were they different lyrics then for the where do i begin love story i think they then once the lyrics were rejected for the film they improved the lyrics and andy williams eventually recorded the new lyrics right and took the song to the top of the I did charts wonder the fact that it says as love story as well it's like got the film's name in it well because it is i think it is it is the song that features in the film just without lyrics, without yeah. someone singing. But it's the something we'll never there. know, is it, though? It's that. Yeah. yeah. I did a real good job <laughs> of it, didn't I? Lovely. Almost Family Guy. Yeah, I'd just been wondering whether it was called, like if if the lyrics were that love story, if it was called that beforehand. But unlikely, isn't it, when you're pitching for a film that it has the exact... Yeah, well, unless think, you've written it bespoke. I think they've been working on the score, oh. and then they felt like the writers felt like the theme tune needed lyrics, so oh. they wrote lyrics and made it a song. And then the writers presented changed the mind. it, but then the <laughs> Paramount projector, Paramount Pictures were like, oh, "We want that to be an instrumental for okay. the theme." And then I can tell you what, we'll release the song yeah. afterwards as an extra bit of promotion. Yeah. So it's all in there in the it mix is. of the story, but regardless of all that. Is a great <laughs> melody and really nicely constructed, like chord sequence, and just so powerful and moving. And um, what was the word I'm looking for? It's uh, had some like longevity to it, hasn't it? Because I mean, it's a song from the 70s, but I still feel like it's a theme that pops up. Yeah, well, I mean, it has been redone and redone, which we'll get to. I've included some snippets of bits that might bring it to different audiences. Maybe that's why you. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Aware of it, it, I didn't realize it's quite a classic song, though, as well. It's just one of those romantic, classic songs, you know, that just feel powerful. Mm. Songs aren't like that so much anymore. No, not like this. Definitely not. No. Um, Anyway, so where do I begin? Love story by Andy Williams. It's always there 
choir and the strings at that the end it's just like builds to something like a whole sound i know i mean just alone the chord sequence i find quite moving Mm, the the particular selection is something about you can always tell when it's a good chord sequence because they always make it into like piano standards like that's (laughs) one that i learned as a kid Uh, yeah yeah that that i didn't do that one really i bet i bet it's nice to play actually because of that nice chord changes um but yeah oh that is it's got that grandeur of cinema mm. within a song you know like a james bond yeah, song yeah it has got that but then they've also element. got that 70s groove underneath <laughs> it's just there's something you know oh Ooh. yeah it's great i love that i love that song so then i went dig in to see if i could find any other versions as we do and i did find one by uh, the ray conniff singers also released in 1971 so it would have been hot off the heels i yeah. reckon um and it basically the vocal vocal group was founded in 1959 with 12 women and 13 men. Wow! But over the course of the whole the choir version, lifespan of the group, I mean, it's a revolving like uh, membership. Membership, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A revolving membership of 12 women and 13 men. But so it's always been the same. It's same just... amount of singers, okay. just all kinds of different singers coming in and out. So 25 is ideal. I presume no more, no less. Ray Conniff is the only one that is like always in it. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I love this. It's got that 70s feel again, but with slightly more subtle, less cinematic mm. edge. And it's all about these, these vocals, just the massive voices, which we nice. always love anyway. Yeah, nice. So here's just a bit of a snippet of that, just for a different flavor. Um, this is Where Do I Begin? Love Story by the Ray Conniff singers. That version it's got like well. an Italian feel to it. I don't know. I feel like I'm it's eating a, olives and bread and yeah, sitting yeah. in the sunshine with Sicilian. 25 people. Yeah, and maybe should be in like a closing scene of The Godfather or oh, something. Yeah. Or, um, that would work. But really then it's well. also got those that little brass section, which like little a mariachi, mariachi type, type thing. Feel. Yeah. So then I could see it in like Quentin Tarantino or Ooh, yeah. slightly Western. Like Quint- I've not I've not heard you know, that version before though, and I'm I, I really like it, and I can yeah. see it. In loads of places. I quite like their stuff, actually. I've been listening to a few other of theirs. And, and okay, just, that's If nice. you like all of that kind of vocal stuff, yeah, it's really cool. Okay, well... And with the 70s grooves underneath, yeah, We'll have good. a little further explore, I think, uh, yeah. after the podcast's over. I might uh, deep dive. So I, I carried on digging, and I found another version as well. And it's probably quite an obvious one, Shirley Bassey. Yes, now that one I know. That I one. knew that one. But yeah. I, And uh, while I was at uni, I came across... A, a remix so she um released her original in 1971 same year yeah wow so just a load of them just all coming out it was a really popular track yeah um and then in 2003 i think she released like a remix album and this was on it it mm. was um a, a remix by away team away team remix it's mm-hmm. called 
Um, and this is one that I really knew because it was part of a compilation. And, and I'm wondering if it's why I know it as well. I think it might be. I, had, I played that quite a lot. I feel like this was on a lot. It's got a good. It's, it's got a good feel. Yeah, it is good. Bringing the like uh, that modern classic feel, original into the modern, yeah, 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 that's it. mixing it together a bit. I still love the original. Though. Yeah, well, this is a, again this a is different cool. flavor. Yeah, different flavor. Stick it, stick it on your scoop. <laughs> Stick it on your scoop. <laughs> Add some sprinkles <laughs> on it. Know. Don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on. Let's just forget that happened. Um, okay. Where Shirley do I Bassey. begin? Yeah. Love story by Shirley Bassey, the away team remix. Where do I Tell the story of how great love can be The sweet love story that is older than the sea The simple truth about the love he brings to me Where do I start? Nice. nice. I like that one. Takes me back. Might not take you back, but it takes me back. Yeah. Like totally it. different as well. It's so. totally different, yeah. It makes you hear it again in a different way. It's interesting that she her melody is following that interesting chord sequence, but what's underneath yeah. isn't at all. I know that my ears picked Sometimes up. Sometimes I wonder, well. is that working? Yeah, I think it works. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of works because you've got Shirley Bassey's voice, which is just like legendary, yeah. isn't it? That you sort of tune into that and then all these little doo-doo-doo. A sort of extra little yeah, I like that different... bit. That's a whole new element in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that brings us to the last track of this episode. And we said it was a long one. <laughs> it yeah. is a long one. Um, and we, we've already mentioned Quentin Tarantino, and we couldn't do a, a film one without doing yeah. one from him because he, he's got put such an emphasis on music. Mm. So we found a cool track from Kill Bill Volume 1, which was released in 2003, by the way. No. Kilville was out in 2003. 2003. That's mad, isn't it? I can't believe. Where does the time go? Anyway, God. That's that's 20 years ago. (gasps) It's just clicked. We're in 2023 now. That's 20 years ago. Wow. No. Whoa. Wow. It holds up, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. Um, Anyway, uh, the track (laughs) is, and I I love this in the film, and it's just great. Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood slash Esmeralda Suite by Santa Esmeralda. It's so good. Which was released in 1977. Which I didn't know. Didn't know I it was didn't that know old. it was a 1977 track. Well, um, I guess in his films, all the eras and genres are blurred. It's just a sound it and a feel, isn't it? part of his era. Yeah, I like it. Um, his world. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. He's got such a, a palette, yes. a musical palette. It's great. Um, but yeah, so it's just a, a great version uh, French-American disco group formed in the 70s. Did you know? You probably did know. Oh, I don't know. It's actually a cover. <laughs> no. Um, it was originally oh. written by Benny Benjamin, Horace Ott and Sol yes. Marcus in 1964. For Nina Simone. For Nina Simone. I did know that. I did know that. Yeah. It's, I, so don't let me be misunderstood. It's that, isn't it? Yeah. It might just not be... You know it, but it might not be you might forefront not in your it. mind. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. it's such a different version yeah. as well. I think it doesn't scream like oh that's that song yeah it's almost like its own thing even though it is a cover yeah um and it's actually a cover of a cover when i was discovering this i didn't know this okay go on um so that was released in 1964 for nina simone that's the one i know yeah then the animals released it in 1965 with a version of their own Um, don't let me be misunderstood yeah i've also not even heard that which was quite different to nina simone's they introduced loads of uh, guitar riffs and different elements that made it their own okay and then santa esmeralda built their latin disco version from the animals arrangement using the guitar riff that doesn't feature in nina simone's version so it's like this chain of things that led to this version and each one adding their see, own I'm missing my middle elements. step though now in my like little timeline of this song. I've only got the Nina Simone version. I know, and I, know I, couldn't, I couldn't find the animals okay. version. So I'll have to find that. I'll find I that wanted myself. to be able to play that one. but um, So you can see the progression, the evolution. Yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't in the of files. Don't let me be misunderstood. Um, but this one, this one was in there. It's 14 minutes long. 
this version. But it's so worth it. It's so worth the 14 minutes of your life. Like, well, how often do you do you really sit down and listen to the full thing? Have you ever? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe now's the time. Maybe it is. We're going to play it in its entirety because that's just how we do. That's how we roll. <laughs> um, and, you know, deal with it or don't. Turn <laughs> off. Who cares? No, don't. <laughs> like, listen to it. Enjoy it. Because um, it's... Yeah, 14 minutes without us jabbering, it'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it'll go it goes quicker than you think actually because it's yeah. just a great track. Um so anyway, we are Adam and Paula from the Daydream Club and you've been listening to the Wise Choice podcast. As usual, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.
If you enjoyed our show, you might also like Composing Myself. It's another wise music podcast which features interviews with composers and writers getting into the nitty gritty about how they write and their process behind it all. You can find links to it in our podcast or just search for Composing Myself on your platform of choice.